I'm happy to be here this morning to share a few stories about our church's history. Our church was founded 180 years ago. Since then, we've had 29 full-time installed ministers. And as Jill said, I'm going to talk today about two of them, B.G. Carpenter and Clinton Lee Scott. Both were highly skilled leaders of our church. Both made significant contributions to our congregation's history. And even though their views differed in some ways, they both reflect the qualities of Unitarian Universalism that we still strive toward today. So I want to start with a little background to help provide context. Currently, we are the Universalist Unitarian Church of Peoria. We offer all who come here the freedom to explore many different beliefs and philosophies. Now let's travel back in time to 1843. Back then, Universalism and Unitarianism were two separate denominations. Both were liberal Christian churches. When 1843 began, neither of these churches were in Peoria. There were four Protestant houses of worship, plus another group that met in a small room. Someone had started a Unitarian society in Peoria around 1840, but it had already disbanded. On May 5, 1843, a traveling Universalist preacher named Reverend Aaron Kinney came to Peoria and spoke at the courthouse. The central belief of Universalists at that time was universal salvation. A loving God would not send anyone to hell forever with no chance of redemption. Many people who came to hear Reverend Kinney were inspired by his message, and they decided to form the Peoria Universalist Society. Later, it became known as the Universalist Church of Peoria. During the early years, the Universalists met in a series of different buildings in downtown Peoria. By 1868, the congregation had built a church on Main Street. It was enormous and grand and had a very tall steeple, as you can see. An author in 1870 called it a very fine house of worship, the most expensive one in the city. The building was so expensive that over the years, the congregation didn't pay off the mortgage. In time, they were in danger of having the building sold out from under them. They were rescued by generous donations from a member of the church, Lydia Moss Bradley. In the next few years, though, membership and donations dwindled. That meant the Main Street Church was still too expensive to maintain. So in 1899, the congregation voted to sell the building. They had no desire to get into debt again, so they decided to construct a much smaller church, a Gothic-style building on Hamilton Boulevard. It was dedicated in 1902, and that was the church our congregation was using when B.G. Carpenter comes into our story. In 1907, Reverend Barlow G. Carpenter was invited to visit our church as a ministerial candidate, and the congregation voted to call him as our minister. He turned out to be a popular speaker, not only within the congregation, 
but in the larger community. In 1910, Carpenter decided to give a series of Sunday evening talks on the topic, The Prophets of Freedom. Those who attended found these talks interesting and asked for more. So in the fall, Carpenter announced that he would give a series of Sunday evening lectures beginning in October and continuing through the rest of the church year. At first, Carpenter gave all the lectures himself. That meant he had to come up with a sermon for Sunday morning and a lecture for Sunday evening. As Carpenter became more busy, he asked other speakers from the local area to present some of the lectures. In 1912, the popularity of these talks led the church board to create a formal Sunday evening lectureship program. Each church year, there would be a series of lectures by different speakers, usually six in the fall and six in the spring. A committee was formed to raise funds and find people to present the lectures. These included not only local speakers, but national and international speakers who traveled around the United States giving talks. Over the years, those who came to Peoria included Clarence Darrow, the famed Chicago lawyer, Jane Addams, the founder of Hull House in Chicago, Lord Bertram Russell, a British philosopher and mathematician, Count Ilya Tolstoy of Russia, a writer who was the son of author Leopold Tolstoy, and many others. The Sunday evening lecture program continued during all of Carpenter's pastorate and for several years afterward. It was a source of inspiration and education, not only for church members, but for the public. And it made the Universalist Church well known in the community. The Sunday evening lecture program is one of the reasons we remember B.G. Carpenter, but it's not the only one. He also played a major role in increasing the membership of the church. The year before Carpenter arrived in Peoria, the Universalist Church had 81 members. That was a good size for their small church building. Over the next four years, membership increased so much that the congregation outgrew their building. In 1910, the board and congregation decided to completely tear down the Little Gothic Church which was less than nine years old, and build a new, larger church on the same site. And membership still kept growing. Eight years later, in 1919, the church was enlarged with two side wings and balconies were installed in the sanctuary to accommodate the large crowds. So how did all this growth happen? Carpenter was a popular speaker, and the Sunday evening lectures also helped draw people into the church. But I think the main reason for growth is that Carpenter was an evangelist. Now, evangelism may not be a word that you associate with our church, but Carpenter had a repertoire of specific techniques for actively recruiting new church members from the community. For example, in the early 1920s, a questionnaire was sent to church members. They were asked to check off what tasks they were willing to do to support the church. One section was called visitation work. Some of the questions listed there were, 
Will you call on strangers and new members of the church under the direction of the pastor? Will you distribute literature in your neighborhood? Will you phone the pastor immediately when a stranger moves into your neighborhood? I'm not sure I'd be assertive enough to do those tasks today, but apparently it worked back then. Between 1907, when Carpenter arrived, and 1925, the congregation had grown from 81 members to over 800. The Peoria Universalist Church now had the largest membership of all churches in the entire Universalist denomination. The national head of Universalism at that time was a man named John Smith Lowe. He was so impressed by the growth of our congregation that he visited Peoria to check it out for himself. He wrote about his visit in the National Universalist Newsletter. Lowe asked Carpenter about his technique for getting new church members. Carpenter said, you have to believe in it. You have to talk about it constantly. You have to get it into your blood. Carpenter showed Lowe a slip of paper that he kept in his coat pocket with half a dozen names typed on it. He said that anyone he met who was not already tied to a church was a prospect, and he would put that person's name on his list. Then Carpenter and others would work on persuading those prospects to join the church. Carpenter said, you have got to make people think religion is the greatest thing in life, and it is so. There is nothing like it. Lowe concluded his article by saying, they know how to do it in Peoria. Because of his success in increasing our church's membership, B.G. Carpenter became well-known throughout the National Universalist denomination. In the spring of 1929, he visited a church in Pasadena, California. Their previous minister, who had been his friend, had died, and Carpenter was one of several ministers helping to fill the pulpit. While he was there, the Pasadena congregation asked Carpenter to be their new pastor. Carpenter said he'd go home and think about it. After he arrived back in Peoria, the word of his offer had spread. The congregation appealed to him to stay here, and so did many other citizens of the city. But eventually Carpenter decided to leave Peoria, and he boarded a train to California. He had been our minister for 22 years. Until Michael Brown came along, Carpenter held the record for the longest pastorate in our church. When Carpenter left, our church needed a new minister. This turned out to be Reverend Clinton Lee Scott. He had served several congregations across the country, most recently in Atlanta, Georgia. He accepted Peoria's call and began serving as our minister in January 1930. As I mentioned before, up to now the Universalist Church was a liberal Christian church. Clinton Lee Scott brought a different religious concept to Peoria. It was a philosophical and cultural movement called humanism. 
The humanist movement actually dates back to the Renaissance in Europe. In the 1910s and 1920s, it began to spread among some Unitarians and Universalists in the Midwest. Since then, humanism has become one of our UU sources. We currently have a humanist discussion group in our church that you can connect with if you're interested. But in 1930, humanism was a new idea to many in the Peoria Universalist Church. So what is humanism? Well, many of its values should sound familiar to present-day UUs. It says that we can build a more humane society in a spirit of reason and free inquiry. We can lead ethical lives based on human capabilities and values, such as reasoning, free inquiry, science, art, compassion, individual liberty, human rights, and social justice. These values and principles were not new to universalism. B.G. Carpenter had talked about many of them in his sermons and writings. But Carpenter also lifted up certain Christian beliefs, such as a loving God, the immortal soul, and the afterlife. In contrast, humanism said that we don't need a God or supernatural world to guide us. Instead, we can guide ourselves. Humanists wanted to create a better future using science as their source of hope. In 1933, a Unitarian minister from Chicago named Raymond Bragg, with the help of several others, created a document called the Humanist Manifesto. Its purpose was to define the principles of humanism at that time. 34 people signed this document. About half of them were Unitarians, and many of the rest were professors and other scholars. Only one was a Universalist minister. That was Clinton Lee Scott. So when Scott brought humanism into our church, how did the congregation react? Well, as you might expect, opinions differed. Many people were favorable to these new ideas. Others were not. According to Scott, a particular group of members was zealously promoting doctrines that were extremely opposed to his own views. In his memoir, Scott wrote, I tried to make a place for them in the program of the church, but I failed. I was not the kind of minister they could work with. Eventually, these members left the church and went to another organization that better suited them. Scott added, In time, their places were filled by new members who responded to rational religion. In addition to being a proponent of humanism, Clinton Lee Scott was a social activist. Back when he was a minister in Atlanta, he opposed racial segregation. In Peoria, he found other causes for social action. For example, during the Depression, the Universalist Church operated a cooperative grocery, first in the church basement and later in a rented building. Another project in the community was led by Scott's wife, Mary Slaughter Scott. 
She took on major responsibility for financing and running a well-patronized birth control clinic. Clinton Lee Scott turned the Sunday evening lectures into an open forum for controversial social and political issues. This raised the hackles of a group in the community called the, quote, Americanization Committee. They threatened to shut down the lectures. A court restraining order was obtained so that the lectures could continue. By far the most dangerous social activism that Clinton Lee Scott undertook in Peoria was his role in the fight against gambling. Peoria had a long history as a wide open town where vices were allowed to flourish. Illegal gambling took place at establishments run by local proprietors such as Clyde Garrison. A 1930 Chicago Tribune article referred to rumors of a crooked alliance between Peoria city and county officials and the gambling houses, with newspapers sharing in the profits. Even some of the city's churches were basically bribed to look the other way. An investigation by the Protestant Ministers Association discovered that four leading churches in Peoria had been accepting annual contributions of hush money from the gambling houses. One of them was the Universalist Church. After that was revealed, the trustees of the Universalist Church voted not to accept any more hush money. Clinton Lee Scott became part of a small committee to rid the community of slot machines and other forms of gambling. As he wrote in his memoir, there was little help from the city's churches and none from the newspapers or radio broadcasters. Even most of the people in the Universalist Church were not aware of what was going on. In their battle against gambling, members of the community faced intimidation from the gambling kingpins. One reformist was killed by a machine gun in his own yard. Clinton Lee Scott and his family were threatened by anonymous phone calls and letters. Mary took their infant son, Peter, to Alabama for long periods to keep him from being kidnapped. Their daughter, Martha, witnessed a burning cross on their front lawn. When their daughter, Florence, was walking home from school one day, she was seized by two men who tied her to a tree. Fortunately, the family survived this trauma, and the movement against gambling achieved at least partial success. Slot machines were thrown out, and an election turnover was achieved in the city government. As you can see, Clinton Lee Scott went through a lot of difficult challenges during his time here. In November 1939, he announced his resignation from the Peoria Church. In his memoir, he wrote that the years he served in Peoria were the stormiest of his entire career. After leaving Peoria, Clinton Lee Scott became the minister of a Unitarian Church in Dayton, Ohio. He went on to a long and successful career. He was a pastor in many other churches and he also served as the Universalist State Superintendent in Massachusetts and Connecticut. 
He wrote several books on universalism, including one called Religion Can Make Sense. He retired at age 84 and died in 1985 on his 98th birthday. And what happened to B.G. Carpenter? Well, he spent about three years in California, then moved back to Peoria in 1932. In 1933, he served the, as the interim minister at the Bloomington Normal Unitarian Church. He died in Peoria in 1945. His memorial service was held in the Peoria Universalist Church, led by Reverend William J. Arms. Carpenter was loved by many in the community, and several prominent citizens spoke highly of him at his memorial service. So in conclusion, what do these two ministers tell us about universalism and our congregation? Here are a few possibilities to think about. From B.G. Carpenter, we learned that it's possible for our church to grow in membership. Like him, we want this church to reach more people and give them a place to call home. But growth doesn't just happen. It takes a lot of work. From Clinton Lee Scott, we learned that social action is a crucial part of our mission. We can't just talk about it. We have to walk the walk. From both ministers, we learn that every one of us is free to choose our own spiritual path. Their views were similar to each other in some ways and different in others. That's just part of being a UU. Today, here and now, we can have many different religious and philosophical views and still have a potluck together. Perhaps you find wisdom in humanism or in Christianity or in Buddhism, Taoism, Paganism, Judaism, Islam, Hinduism, or some other faith tradition. Perhaps you are an agnostic or an atheist. Or maybe you're just searching and trying to figure life out. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, whatever you believe, you are welcome here. Thank you.